0: President Kofefe, our beloved Troll-in-Chief, has reportedly requested a military parade down Pennsylvania Avenue for either Memorial Day or Independence Day or Veterans Day. The left and anti-Trump Republicans, historically ignorant, frequently wrong, but never in doubt, insist that honoring our military is unprecedented and will destroy the Republic. We will analyze the illustrious history of military parades in the United States and how Trump should stage it. Then, Alicia Krause and Ariel Davidson join to discuss breaking news. Last night, Fox News released a shocking report on texts between FBI agents Peter Strzok and Lisa Page showing that James Comey, former FBI director, ordered the two agents to prepare an update on ongoing investigations because, quote, POTUS wants to know everything we're doing, which shows that Barack Obama was lying through his teeth, surprise, surprise, when he said on national television that he did not uh, interfere with the attorney general or FBI directors about pending investigations. Then, variations on a theme, Trey Gowdy has all but admitted that the source of information Uh, passed to Hillary's State Department, to be passed to Dossier Arthur Christopher Steele, to be passed to Barack Obama's FBI, was none other than Clinton hatchet man Sidney Blumenthal. Meaning that the entire Russia collusion investigation circus may have likely been a charade funded, orchestrated, and executed by Clinton cronies to undermine Trump's campaign. Shocking, isn't it? And in the most important news, Canada's Prime Minister Kendall, Justin Trudeau, wants to change the word mankind to peoplekind because he's illiterate. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. That's a lot. That's a lot to get to. There is so much. And this is very important because everybody is so dead certain they're making these great historical claims and they don't really know anything about what they're talking about. So we'll clear that up a little bit. But first, look, you know, you, you saw I, I interviewed yesterday myself from the future, my, the, the 200th episode, Michael, and things don't look very good. The trouble here, of course, is we broadcast from the Ben Shapiro broom closet. That's very nice. I, they pr- keep promising they're going to send me a paycheck at some point, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what that happens. The one real nice benefit though is sometimes we get wonderful sponsors who will feed me and make sure that I don't become emaciated <laughs> and that and they can feed you too. This is great, we're very happy to welcome a new sponsor today to help keep the lights on maybe a day or two longer, Blue Apron. Blue Apron is the leading meal kit delivery service in the US and while many people know what they do, uh, you, you, very often they don't know about the types of meals that you can eat when you cook with Blue Apron. So you think, well, who knows? that some meals that come, it's probably very similar. It's all, all the same stuff. No way. You get strip steaks with potatoes, spicy maple collard greens, a steakhouse-inspired favorite with a delicious twist, chili-infused maple syrup. With incredible ingredients and chef-designed recipes, Blue Apron lets you... Uh, see what the power of food can do. I and, I and by the way, they're really easy to prepare. If you're like me, you just ask sweet little Elisa to prepare it, and then it comes out very delicious and good. And uh, and you can you can have that power too. Sweet little Elisa is not included though with your Blue Apron subscription. So what do you get? You get convenience and variety. Blue Apron delivers fresh, pre-proportioned uh, preportioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes right to your door that can be cooked in under 45 minutes. The menu changes every single week based on what's in season and is designed by Blue Apron's in-house culinary team. You are not gonna see these recipes repeated. You are signing up for a culinary uh, experience that will keep changing and keep growing. Uh, It's got a lot of flexibility. Blue Apron offers 12 new recipes each week. Customers can pick two, three, or four recipes based on what fits their schedule. Obviously, you gotta go for the four. That's that's kinda what I recommend. the four. Maybe you have one at a time. Maybe you have two at a time. Maybe you have three. I don't know. It depends what kind of night it is. High quality food. Blue Apron sends only non-GMO ingredients with and meat with no added hormones. If I were left to my own druthers, I'd probably just eat hormones. I'd probably just be in like the gutter eating hormones out of the garbage. Luckily, Blue Apron clears that up. You get some healthier food and not not all of that artificial stuff that's probably not very good for you. Um, it, it This is really good stuff. All of my friends are using it. Uh, it, it is so good. Uh, sweet little Elisa is, has already planned out what the menus are going to look like on it because if I turn on the stove, I think the the uh, uh, m- m- probably all of Ventura Boulevard will explode. Uh, the call to action here is that you need to go to blueapron.com slash Do not just hear about these wonderful recipes. Do not just hear, oh, that sounds nice. Well, Michael can enjoy good food. Don't do it. You have an opportunity here. If you go to blueapron.com slash cofefe, Michael Knoll's show listeners will get $30 off your first order. Uh, check it out. Uh, check out this week's menu. Get $30 off. I'm giving you free food. Don't say I never did anything for you. Blueapron.com slash cofefe. What is it, Marshall?
1: Blueapron.com
0: slash cofefe. Slash cofefe. Blue apron, a better way to cook. All right, the president is destroying the country. Did you know that? He's destroying the country again. We're all gonna die. And I know you already died from tax reform and deregulation and moving our embassy in Israel to the capital of Israel and appointing an originalist to the Supreme Court and reinstituting the Mexico City policy and pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord. You zombie, you undead drone, wandering through the world suffering death after death, but relentlessly existing. The new mainstream media hysteria is that President Trump wants to have a military parade. <gasps> I wish I had pearls on that I could clutch and grit. It's so horrible. Here is Rear Admiral John Kirby, who was the State Department spokesman under Barack Obama, explaining why he hates the parade idea.
1: So, Admiral Kirby, what do you think of the idea of a military parade in Washington? I don't like it, Alison, not not at all. This is not about showcasing our military. This is about the president showing off. This is all about his ego. And that's just an inappropriate use of military time and talent and resources. Uh, The the
0: second thing is this is beneath us as a nation. We are the most powerful military on earth. We're very proud of that and rightly so. We don't need to be parading our military hardware down Pennsylvania Avenue to to show that to anybody. And thirdly, I think it's just a waste of resources. It will cost millions of dollars. That's money that could be put to other better uses, operations, training, not to mention just even just taking care of our people, spouse education programs, that kind of thing. So I think this is just a, it's a, it's a tremendously bad idea. Uh, The trouble with uh, uh, this analysis, Kirby comes out and he says, this isn't what we do in America. It's okay. We like the military, but we don't parade our our troops down the streets. We don't need to show other people our tanks or our missiles. It's un-American. It's what people do in other countries and dictatorships. And, And the military hates it and the country hates it. And we've never seen it before. And it's awful. The trouble with that analysis, and I've heard this repeated ad nauseum all morning, is that it isn't true. People, I understand people say, it, it reminds me of Soviet Russia. Oh, it reminds me of the North Korea. It, okay, okay, yes, it, other places have military parades too. The United States has regularly paraded soldiers and tanks and missiles through the streets of the capital and other cities for over 150 years. Just a quick history of these. After the Civil War, President Andrew Johnson held a military parade of 145,000 Union soldiers parading down Pennsylvania Avenue. The procession, known as the Grand Review of the Armies, took place over two days, May 23rd and 24th, three years and six days before the first Memorial Day was celebrated. After World War I, the U.S. held military parades in New York, D.C., countless other cities to greet doughboys as they returned from the battlefield. That's what that's what sweet little Lisa calls me, by the way, as a doughboy. I don't think it's for the same reason. General Blackjack Pershing led the parade of thousands of soldiers through the streets of New York on September 10th, 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 1919, and then he led another parade of thousands of soldiers through the streets of D.C. about a week later. Uh, We also had military parades in 1942 and 1946. The 1942 parade in New York lasted for more than 11 hours. It was attended by 2 million people. That parade even featured a gigantic bust of Franklin Roosevelt, of the president. They pulled a gigantic head of FDR down the the street in the 1942 parade. And and yet we're told to have a little military parade in in America today would be awful. It would be Trump becoming a dictator. Uh, As far as I can tell, the current preparations don't include a gigantic... Trump head on a float, but who knows, things could change. In 1946, a military parade was held in New York to celebrate the Allied victory in World War II. The 1946 parade saw some of the largest self-propelled howitzers in the entire army rolling down the streets of New York, tanks rolling down the streets of New York. In 1953, at President Eisenhower's first inauguration, Another event where we're commemorating a guy, where we're commemorating the inauguration, there were 73 bands, 59 floats, and lots of military assets, including an 85-ton atomic cannon that could fire a shell 20 miles. Tanks as far as the eye could see rolled through Washington. Guess what happened four years later? And again, this, this wasn't to celebrate a particular victory in a war. This wasn't to celebrate uh, something else other than this guy's inauguration. At Eisenhower's second inauguration, thousands of troops marched three miles down Washington with countless tanks rolling alongside. Plus, the 69-foot-long Redstone, which was the first ballistic missile successfully fired by the United States. Missiles, tanks, thousands and thousands of troops all marching down the road. Four years later, So we had 53, 57. Now in 1961, at JFK's inauguration, dozens of missiles were paraded in front of the world, including the Nike Zeus, which was the first missile that could intercept ballistic missiles. So we're being told now by the left and Trump critics and uh, former Obama administration officials, we we don't need to show our our military equipment off. We would never do that. It it would be such a step backward, so small-minded of the United States if we ever showed off our military equipment We've been doing it for well over a century. <laughs> We've been doing it regularly. We did it 53, 57, 61. We did it in four year intervals for a while. Uh, and that's not just missiles. During the JFK uh, parade, even huge Navy boats were towed down Pennsylvania Avenue with Kennedy aboard waving to the throngs on boats that uh, specifically resembled the one that he himself commanded in World War II. In more recent history, in 1991, President George H.W. Bush held a massive military parade in Washington. Here's the coverage then. Good evening. Well, already they are saying tonight it was the biggest military celebration in the nation's capital since World War II. As Washington today honored the U.S. servicemen and women who fought in the Gulf War, both those who returned and those who died. 200,000 enthusiastic spectators watched a parade of troops and their weapons, all part of the national victory celebration. Eric Engberg has our report. It was a day for saying thank you to heroes. The President choked back tears several times as he spoke directly to loved ones of those who died. On the wide boulevards just a few blocks from the White House, 8,000 Desert Storm troops were moving out. And once again, it was General Norman Schwarzkopf who set the cadence, leading the way as far as the presidential box, where he spent the rest of the parade as cheerleader and spotter for a clearly delighted George Bush. So much military hardware was moving that at times it appeared Washington was under attack. We're here just to say thank you and to celebrate our victory, but to say thank you to all the men and women who serve in the armed forces.
1: I think that this is a wonderful occasion, but we don't want it to happen again. Because we don't want war.
0: Wonderful. And of course, that's the sentiment. We don't want war. We don't want, but we want to honor the, the service and the sacrifice of our troops. Tanks rolling through Washington, D.C. We're now being told that the streets would all crack if we, if we drove tanks down them. We've done this plenty of times and it's just fine. It looked like Washington was under attack, but that's what these parades look like. So after that war, after the Persian Gulf War, Iraq, part one, tributes were held nearly every day to welcome home troops though the largest celebrations were held in New York and D.C. Yes, there's plenty of precedent for this. Don't get that out of your mind. Nevertheless, many leftist commentators still object. Douglas Brinkley, a presidential historian and insufferable lefty, said on CNN, I don't think there's a lack of love and respect for our armed forces in the United States. Give me a break, but we'll get to that later. What are they going to do? Stand there while Donald Trump waves at them? It smacks of something you see in a totalitarian country unless there's a genuine earnest reason to be doing it. Now, the historian Wilfred McClay observed in 2006 that Douglas Brinkley has failed to, quote, put forward a single memorable idea, a single original analysis, or a single lapidary phrase. Uh, likewise, the author Bill Bryson has called Brinkley a minor American academic and sometime critic whose powers of observation and generosity of spirit would fit comfortably into a proton and still leave room for an echo. Absolutely right. Even uh, The sentiment is totally wrong, and even on the historical points he's made, they're just not true. Uh, the White House, for its part, also rejects the notion that a military parade is totalitarian, saying that it would be a celebration of the men and women who give us freedom, who protect our freedom. That's the opposite of a totalitarian government, they say, and that's true. Uh, Brinkley says we should only have parades when there's a genuine, earnest reason to be doing it. Sure. Now, by the way, this wasn't always the case in the middle of the century. We had three back-to-back, four years, four years, four years, that were not uh being done earnestly to celebrate some war victory or something. Though clearly there was a strategic purpose. It was to frighten our enemies. It was to frighten the Soviet Union. Just as today we have enemies that we uh, could reasonably frighten and show off our bigger buttons. That's exactly why, though, there has been a groundswell in support in recent years for a military parade, like the one we're talking about, to honor veterans of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Why shouldn't we honor them? The last military parade we held in Washington was to honor the veterans of the last major war we concluded, but the veterans of Iraq and Afghanistan, who served their country admirably after the September 11th terrorist attacks, they've never had their own parade. They've never had that moment. That's why even Chuck Schumer has called for this parade. In 2014, Schumer held a press conference, and I know this is shocking, because the most dangerous place in the world, as we all know, is not in the Middle East on the fighting grounds or in the air or on the sea. It's the space between Chuck Schumer and a television camera. I digress. Schumer held a press conference on Broadway at Bowling Green, right by statues of George Washington, where Washington gave his farewell to the troops. And he said... With the war in Afghanistan winding down, now is the time to keep with long-standing American tradition and kick off a campaign for the first New York City Welcome Home Parade for troops that served in Iraq and Afghanistan. For the first, the, that, that implies multiple parades that he's suggesting. He goes on, with the completion of the Afghanistan combat mission expected at the end of this year and with Iraq's official end far behind us, it's time for New York to stake its claim and for the Department of Defense to join in planning this Welcome Home celebration. Then, joining the chorus of calls for a military parade to honor those veterans came none other than New York's Bolshevik Mayor, Bill de Blasio. Even Bill de Blasio said, quote, The brave men and women who have selflessly served our nation with courage and skill in Iraq and Afghanistan deserve a recognition for their sacrifice. I stand with Senator Schumer in his call for a parade to honor our veteran heroes, and New York City would be proud to host this important event. I'm glad we all agree. I'm glad you agree, Chuck, and I'm glad you agree, Bill, and I fully expect you to keep your mouth shut while President Trump plans the new one. So what happened? Why no parade? There's a point here. There's no parade because the war in Afghanistan was still basically in full swing. By that time, 75% of U.S. casualties in Afghanistan had occurred under Barack Obama's watch. That was in 2015, 2014, 2015. Barack Obama, who insisted on restarting a war that we'd already won because he had to balance out his vocal criticism of the Iraq war, which he recklessly chose to lose because his opposition to Iraq was central to his winning the Democratic nomination over Hillary Clinton. The Defense Department under Barack Obama felt it would not look good to host a parade for military veterans until the war in Afghanistan was completed. The trouble is that our current operations in Afghanistan have increasingly become a stabilizing mission, what might be called a war of empire. So they're still fighting, but the fear of pulling U.S. troops out is that the country will then fall into disarray again and provide a safe haven for terrorists who have to go right back in. And we know it was already doing that for the years before September 11th, uh, which is the reason we had to intervene in the first place. So if that's the kind of war that we're engaged in, then there can be no clear moment of victory, no mission accomplished banner. It, it might look like Korea. Uh, you know, we've had Korea. Uh, we've had troops stationed in Korea to prevent the outbreak of new violence for 61 years. Afghanistan is the longest war we have ever engaged in, 16 years and counting. Number one on the list. Uh, after that, that's followed by the Moro Rebellion which is a war that absolutely no one knows about. It was one in which uh, Muslim tribes living in the southern Philippines attacked U.S. troops after the U.S. government uh, told them that they would uh, continue their old protectorate relationship with Spain. We got bogged down into that rebellion for 14 years. That's followed by the Northwest Indian War at 10 years, the Iraq War at 8.8, Revolutionary War at 8.4, Vietnam at 8.1, the Second Seminole War at 6.7, the First Barbary War at 4.1, the Civil War at four. And World War II at 3.7. It's interesting to note that a full 40% of those wars, possibly more if you count the war against ISIS separately, a full 40% of the longest wars in U.S. history have been defending against Muslim forces, something that isn't talked about very much, and it's a strange quirk of U.S. history. Now, that is by no means a list of the deadliest wars in U.S. history. That list goes Civil War, World War II, World War I, Vietnam, Korea, the Revolution, 1812, Mexican-American War, Iraq and Afghanistan combined as one conflict, and the Philippine-American War. So what do we do about the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan? Part of the reason we haven't had a parade is that they've been so politicized by the left since the beginning. And we might keep troops in Afghanistan for decades. We might not pull all of them out right away. So, can we honor the veterans who signed up to protect our freedom after the worst terrorist attack on American soil on September 11, 2001? We have parades and demonstrations for a lot of other things. I'll just refresh your memory of the last year. Pussy hats, gay pride, Super Bowl, there are a lot of parades. Actually, that Super Bowl parade, I think it was just when they torched Philadelphia, but that's a, a separate demonstration. Is it really so awful to celebrate and thank our troops? Reports indicate that President Trump is considering hosting the parade on Memorial Day or the 4th of July or Veterans Day. Not on a random Tuesday, not just on his birthday or something like that. All of the reports say he's got those dates picked out for the parade. Of the three, Veterans Day seems like the best time to me. That's a time when we're already honoring the troops. 4th of July celebrates the founding of our country. Veterans Day seems like the right way to do it. If it's done right, not only will it not be an unprecedented threat to the republic or whatever they're saying it is, it will be admirable and long overdue. Comfortable Americans have had the privilege of keeping war out of their minds for the most part since 9-11 because of the brave men and women who answered the call of duty and defended our freedom overseas. A parade through the streets of Washington, D.C. to honor them, if done right, could go a long way toward focusing Americans' attention on just what our country has been doing in Iraq and Afghanistan, and to remind us that our freedom doesn't come free, but instead has been purchased at a high cost, that we are so privileged in this country that most of the time we don't even have to notice that cost. And Donald Trump, in suggesting this military parade, which is in well-keeping with U.S. tradition, uh, seems to be provoking the left into attacking our military like uh, lunatics, uh, it's, a, it's a really bad look for them. Donald Trump is very good at, at putting his adversaries into a corner and making them defend the indefensible, making their true colors shine through. It, it looks like what's happening here, fine by me, seems like a lot of good things are being accomplished in it. Okay, we've gotta to get to our panel. We have a lovely panel today. It's, uh, it's an all ladies panel, it's much more beautiful then uh, we usually have. We have Jacob. We pluck him off the sidewalks or something. You got an all ladies panel today, of Ariel Davidson and Alicia Krauss. But first, before we can get to them, I have got. I've got to talk about man things. We've got this lady panel. Actually, I guess they make products for women too, but I use this every morning. It is Dollar Shave Club. You hear me talk about it a lot. I use it all the time. It's the best razor I've ever used. And I don't skimp on razors. I get nice razors, uh, usually as gifts or something, and uh, I never go to the pharmacy. I never try to replace the blades. I don't want to do that. I am a millennial. I do not want to move. I want to move the least amount that I possibly can. I don't want to get ripped off. I want things to be mailed to me and make it easy. Dollar Shave Club does just that. So you hear me talk about my razor. It's, it's the best razor I've ever used. Uh, what's really nice, too, is that Dr. Carver Shave Butter. I don't use that crazy shaving, like the puffy stuff you put on your face. I don't use shave gel because I have some self-respect. I'm not going to put that on my face. But the shave butter is really, really nice. I am never going to give up my membership. In fact, I'm adding even more DSC products to my daily routine. So Dollar Shave Club makes products for your hair, face, skin, shower, everything you need. And it's all their own original stuff. They use only the finest premium ingredients. They deliver it to you, just like they do their razors. No more trips to the store, no more, you know, you're looking for the aisle of, uh, is the, are the razors down this aisle, and you go down the wrong aisle if you're a man, you start feeling very weird about that, and you look, did anyone see me? Is this, I feel, I feel icky being here. Don't do that, don't, come on, save yourself the hassle. I use Dollar Shape Club for almost everything. They have razors, body cleanser, hair gel, they, they even have, this is a little difficult to talk about on the show, um, you know, in Europe they're very, they're clean, they have this product called a bidet, it's an invention that they use, Americans don't really use. It gets you, it makes you feel a little fresh at times when you might not be feeling the freshest, helps you clean places on your body where the sun don't shine. Well, uh, Dollar Shave Club has a lovely wipes to cleanse that derriere of yours and it has you covered head to toe. So now is a great time to give Dollar Shave Club a try. You get your first month of their best razor, along with travel size versions, of shave butter, body cleanser, and yes, even that Air cleanser for just $5. This is basically free. You would be a fool not to do it. Get it right now. It's just that the razor is so good. All of the products are really good. After that replacement cartridge is shipped for just a few bucks a month, you never have to worry about it. It is the DSC starter set. Get yours for just $5 exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash covfefe. C-O-V-F-E-F-E. That is dollarshaveclub.com slash Kofefe. Marshall, what is it? dollarshaveclub.com slash covfefe. dollarshaveclub.com slash That's what it is. All right, let's get to this panel. Oh, God, Marshall, you monster. I have to, are you kidding me? I have to sign off. We didn't even get to talk about the parades. You, you are a sick you sadist. That, you, that is so awful. You, well, don't blame me guys, blame Marshall. We have got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. I already I think I already said goodbye to YouTube when they started censoring all of my videos a few weeks ago and cutting off our live streams. That's a separate point. At this point, by the way, basically all of my episodes are being censored on YouTube. I did that interview with uh, Father Mike Schmitz the other day about what is marriage and all that, apparently suggesting that the definition of marriage from the dawn of time until about five and a half minutes ago, suggesting that that might not have been totally mistaken, that is enough to get you censored on YouTube. And that, they're killing us on this, so I guess I'm probably not seeing you on YouTube, I'm probably seeing you on Facebook. If you're there, go to dailywire.com right now. What will you get? Yeah, well, it's $10 a month. $100 for an annual membership. Get the annual membership. You'll see why. You get me, The Andrew Klavan Show, The Ben Shapiro Show. No ads on the website. The conversation coming up with me coming up around Valentine's Day, baby. It is going Alicia's going to be hosting it. I'm going to give you all my love advice. The love doctor will be in the house. And uh, I can promise you it will give you either romantic bliss or have you shunned and thrown out a window or something. So you get all that, but who cares? What you really get is this. Once those tanks start rolling, once those tanks are rolling down Pennsylvania Avenue. They, I hope they can float because there are going to be so many leftist tears pouring out throughout our nation's capital. You need this leftist tears tumbler. We better, st- we better send a lot of these down to Washington, D.C., or else we could have a national disaster on our hands. The leftist tears tumbler, the only vessel that is FDA, NSA, FBI, IMF approved to store your radioactive leftist tears, always salty and delicious, whether they be hot or cold. Go to dailywire.com right now. We'll be right back. And you took Ariel away from me. Marshall also took Ariel away from me, but that's fine. That means that I get Alicia all to myself today. I <laughs> thought I was gonna have to wait until the conversation, but I get Alicia all to myself. Alicia, thank you for being here. Of course. Thank. So the first thing, mm-hmm. I need your thoughts. What mm-hmm. do you think about this parade?
1: I gotta say, reading the report, I, at first I was kinda like, eh, and then I really came to the conclusion that you did. I'm a child of the uh, 80s, and I remember oper- like marching after Operation Desert Storm, as you mentioned. Right. I also remember me- reading the general's uh, biography, and I think it's the first time I'd asked my mom what the F word was, because there was lots of those. <laughs> as in most military books by generals, I remember reading Schwarzkopf's uh, biography. But I think, that, I think that really, these things exist. I mean, I have friends that were recently at the Rose Bowl. You have flyovers. You have the national anthem. You have the beautiful flag displays on the field. These things already kind of exist, So I have mixed feelings on it. I think that it is okay to show support of the military. I think that it is important to, especially after the horrible way that our Vietnam veterans were treated, coming home from Vietnam, to continue to show uh, past, present, at military members and servicemen and women our appreciation for them. But I think that, uh, you know, as a Trump sometimes skeptic, I also get how some people jumped to the, oh God. He's Mussolini, gonna, he's, Mussolini. This, he's Mussolini. He's Mussolini, who's he's Kim Jong-un. It just adds fodder to like the, the argument that he is this evil dictator Donald. And, and I think that he needs to be very careful not to play into this. And I have to say, I'm a fan of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, but today I listened to the press conference that she did live and her answers to this were very vague and very unclear. And I think that they just need to come out swinging with their talking points of, this is what the president meant, this is who it came from, this is the purpose for it, and we're looking into options. But when they don't answer direct questions, it feeds into the negative narrative. Yeah,
0: that's right. And I think there is a little bit here of Chesterton's the thought that stops thought I think a lot of people that the society is so postmodern we we've questioned so much of even our own institutions even the premises of our government of our society that now in the fashionable elite uh, circles military services is taboo. Ooh, it's a little, oh it's so not nice mm-hmm. those men they shoot guns sometimes they shoot them at brown people that's oh let's forget about that we don't we can't acknowledge that but of course the military are the guys who defend our freedom there are a lot of people who don't like our our freedom and our government and they want to attack us. And it is important, I think, to remember, especially in an era where something like 1% of the country has ever served in the military, Mm -hmm. 1% to 3%, that uh, we remind ourselves that the reason that we can have lovely political debates and make art and movies and write books, and in my case, not write books. Blank books. Yeah, write blank books and have a nice life is because there are rough men out there who are shooting guns on our behalf and yep. keeping the bad guys away. Uh, that that That's absolutely right. They're going to say it's fascism, but they say everything with Trump is fascism. They say that deregulation is fascism. Yep. I don't know how they got to that. Yep. Okay, so th- again, variations on a theme. There are new FBI texts that are exposing... Ooh, doozies. These are unbelievable. Because yep. it gets to Barack Obama, in typical Trump fashion, the president tweeted, uh, "Quote: New FBI texts are bombshells. All caps, of course. Uh, the new texts show FBI agent Peter Struck—I pronounce it 'struck' because it's like 75 uh, uh, consonants and no syllables—telling fellow agent Lisa Page that FBI Director James Comey wanted them to prepare an update on investigations because, quote, POTUS wants to know." everything we're doing. That's the same POTUS, you'll remember, who said on national television that he would never participate in or politicize any agency investigation. Here's Barack Obama. I do not talk to the attorney general about pending investigations. I do not talk to FBI directors about uh, pending investigations. uh, We have a strict line. Uh, and always have maintained it. Previous so, presidents. So, ju- just to button this up, you, I guarantee it. You, I guarantee that there is no political influence in any investigation conducted by the Justice Department or the FBI. Not just in this case, but in any case. And she will be full tre- stop. Period. And she will be treated no differently? Guaranteed. Li- full stop. <laughs> nobody gets treated differently when it comes to the Justice Department because nobody is above the law even if she ends up as the Democratic nominee. How many times do I have to say it, Chris? Guaranteed. (laughs) I I guarantee it. How many times do I have to say it? How many times? Full stop. Full stop. Barack Obama is so good at looking like the president and looking like he's telling the truth, and he's so good at playing, except he isn't. He's this corrosive, corrupt, awful figure who really did significant harm to the country and to the government, lying to your face and saying, I am putting all my credibility on the line. Full stop. Full stop. Alicia, is this proof positive that Barack (laughs) Obama may have been lying?
1: Uh, Not may have. It was obvious. And there's other things that he misled and blatantly lied about to the American people. Um, Iran deal, anyone? Uh, In in the Bible Belt, we would call this a crock of crap because you can't. You know, that's the closest to a curse word as I can get. That's some of the broadcast. cleanest language we ever
0: have on this show. And, and, mm-hmm.
1: and I think that that is a crock of crap, and good for Chris Wallace there. I think if it if it had been a more friendly interview, we wouldn't have that soundbite all these years later. And in addition good to this, this, this text message between these FBI lovers, by the way, uh, saying, hey, the director wants us to keep him apprised of what's happening so he can tell the commander in chief, the president of the United States, what's up, means, one, that the Obama administration knew. In addition to that, they probably, were they aware of The fusion GPS thing? Were they aware of this dossier? Were they aware of how the FISA warrant was obtained? I think any reporter worth their grain of salt who gets an opportunity to talk to Barack and Michelle Obama, even though they've left the White House, should definitely bring that up.
0: And loose lips sink ships. These are just the the loose text messages that Mm -hmm. we happen to see about this that Mm -hmm. they happen to write down very stupidly. I mean, you should never send a text or an email that you're not comfortable having on the cover of the New York Times. But they just let these ones go. What what aren't we seeing? Yeah. What, what was going well, sure on that there we can't see? There,
1: there has to be other communications and there has to be emails and I want to see this, uh, the broad brush of the timeline of what was happening with the White House, what was happening during the Cl- Clinton and Trump campaigns and what was happening during the investigation at this time mm-hmm. with these now memos and emails and text messages and everything that we're going to see as they're opened up to the American public. So
0: we now see that Barack Obama himself, all the way up to the president, mm-hmm. was in himself into what should have been independent agency investigations during the 2016 campaign, investigations that pertained to Hillary Clinton. We have a lot of evidence that uh, the uh, initial Russia investigation was triggered by Democrat money, by Democrat operatives, s- s- some with ties to the Clintons. D- does all of this taken together, all of this rancid stench from Barack Obama's politicized agencies, does it undermine the Mueller investigation?
1: I think, unfortunately, it does. And I think that, you know, obviously, and I think that the United States should take very seriously, and I think that Trump shouldn't take it so personally that there's this investigation into Russia's meddling. And they're two separate things. It's, did Russia meddle in the investigation, I'm sorry, in the election? Probably, But that doesn't mean that they necessarily meddled in it for the purpose of Trump winning. They just did it because they spy on everybody and everything. And they've been doing design. it forever. The Russians been have been screwing us uh,
0: for a long time. And that
1: is a very serious problem that our securities and our departments and all of the bureaucracy of government should be, make sure, you know, people cannot meddle in our elections. But I think that uh, it also does undermine the separate investigation of, you know, is Trump involved with Russia and is he really a liaison of Vladimir Putin and all of these yeah. other trades Candidate, and he's right. this Manchurian candidate, etc. I will flatly say, though, that Carter Page, I mean, there's some shady stuff there. Whether or not Donald Trump knew about it, I'm going to err on the side of, no, he didn't. And maybe uh, once they found out, that's why he left the campaign, or maybe because he's just a shady McShaderson, they had him kicked out of the campaign even before they knew of any of his involvement and stuff with the Kremlin. But I-, I think that, unfortunately, for Hillary Clinton, for the Democrats going forward, specifically in 2018 midterms and 2020, when you know that this is what they wanted to take and run with again, against President Trump, it's gonna look as if the Mueller investigation is jeopardized mm-hmm. by all of this stuff that's happening within the FBI and the DOJ.
0: Absolutely, it's inevitable. Even if, if Mueller really is this man of integrity, even the, the most upstanding citizen in the room, it just looks awful. We know it has association with all of this Democrat hackery. It's, it's really no good. I, I sort of feel for the guy, but they, they have to wrap this up. It's just, and, and who knows? Some people are saying Donald Trump has to release everything. He doesn't have to release everything. He should, he should absolutely not release everything. He should hold all of his leverage as long as he can, drip, 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 and let Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama sweat. And on that point, Trey Gowdy has now all but admitted mm-hmm. that the source of information passed to Hillary's State Department, to be passed to dossier author Christopher Steele, to be passed back to Barack Obama's FBI, was Clinton hatchet man Sid Blumenthal. That that means the entire Russia collusion investigation circus, it could have been funded. It could have been a charade funded, orchestrated, and executed by Clinton cronies to undermine Trump's campaign. Alicia, if Gowdy's suggestion is true, does the... FBI investigation into Trump, Russia, collusion, blah, blah, blah. Do any of these have credibility? Do some of them have credibility, mm-hmm. but not all of them? How do we parse this? It's so confusing that my yep. head is in this every day, and sometimes I need to think, okay, wait, no, we're talking about this one, we're not talking about this one.
1: Oh, gosh, all the names, all of the details, all of the warrants, all of the drama. I mean, even all of the congressmen involved at this point. You have Trade Gowdy that's come out and said this, but then you also have Nunes that wrote the, the GOP you know memo about this memo of what what was said and how the dossier was used to obtain the FISA warrant, etc. And let's just say, when it comes to congressmen, I think that I'm really inclined to believe a Trey Gowdy over a Devin Nunes. I think that Gowdy has a history of a prosecutor. He is very good when it comes to Q&A. He's he's shown that over and over again. I'm so sad he's not running for re-election. And so when Gowdy implies that Sidney Blumenthal, who is known, as you mentioned, to be Hillary Clinton's hatchet man, even after by the way, the Obama administration and President Obama specifically told her when she was at the Department of State that they didn't want her working with good old Sid. She went around the Obama administration's back and kept doing it. Of course I believe this to be true, mainly because it's coming from Trey Gowdy, but also because it totally fits into the timeline it totally makes and the sense. narrative and the personality yep. traits of the Clintons.
0: Yep, uh, do you think people will go to jail for this or are they just all gonna get off clean like the Clintons <laughs> always seem to do? <laughs>
1: I think the latter, unfortunately. Yep. It seems as if anybody with the name and money, whether it's in politics or Hollywood, tends to get away with things that you and I never could or would.
0: That is true, sad, sad mm-hmm. to quote a great man. Finally, the most important story of the day, Canada's Kendall Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, oh, Lord. he now wants to change the word mankind to peoplekind to make it less sexist. Here is Prime Minister Kendall.
1: Maternal love is the love that's going to change the future of mankind. So, we'd like you to. Look that.
0: We like to say people kind, not necessarily mankind. So, just to clarify for uh, Prime Minister Kendall and uh, anyone in the audience who has never looked at an Oxford English dictionary, the word man can be gender neutral. It is a gender neutral uh-huh. word. In the Bible, it is clearly written in the beginning, God created man, both male and female, he created them. Created man, both male and female.
1: How dare you use the Bible, Michael? I know, you know, I know. that, that archaic, <laughs> patriotic.
0: A book written by a big of- Jewish man in the sky. Outrageous, outrageous. <laughs> How
1: outrageous. dare you? <laughs> is- but, uh, by the way, I'm because I'm such a political nerd, if I ever, which I never will, sorry, mom, I never will run for office, it, I would want to be a representative on the federal level. I would wanna be called Congressman Krauss because turns out, like for that very reason that you mentioned, male can man can be male or female, and in Robert's Rules of Order, it's supposed to be the, the man. This Congresswoman stuff is crap every single time I see it.
0: This is the most sensible thing that's been said on my show all day, (laughs) maybe all year, that that this is so, it's so elementary, except we don't study anything. Uh Nobody studies grammar or language or anything that was written uh, more than three seconds ago and not texted, is political correctness making us all stupider is this is this a of failure course. of education and how do you fix it
1: of course it's a failure of education i mean i just mentioned robert's rules of order and as educated as an awesome as your the majority of your audience is i guarantee you they haven't read it
0: oh and- the, my guy of course they only because they they, they all, all of my audience uh, lives in the 19th century and puffs on pipes and cigars you are right most yeah. people have no idea what robert's rules of order is
1: yeah, yeah they don't understand how the three branches of government work hence the reason everybody freaked out after you know Donald Trump actually became president um, they don't understand the importance of, of those branches of states rights of the basics you know principles of the constitution or you know basic grammar which listen I am no grammar queen I'm awful at it Ben often subtweets me and corrects my grammar within my 140 <laughs> or 280 character tweets that's fine I get it hashtag homeschooled but there are basic things that have not been taught in, in our schools for generations and now it's going to continue to get worse because there more worried about hey saying z versus he so they don't offend, you know, less than 1 percent of the student body.
0: It is also a crime in some ways. It's a it's an epidemic that's growing because more people are writing more frequently. Now we're all texting constantly mm-hmm. rather than writing a letter or two per day or dictating or something. So it's just infecting all of the culture this terrible grammar and writing and abusive language which is political correctness. It's an abusive language. My question with Trudeau. I've often said that if uh, Trudeau did not exist. We would have to invent him. Is is <laughs> Justin Trudeau Prime Minister Kendall, Is he trolling us? Is he you know when he no. goes out in the little short shorts no. waving he, the gay flag? He, is, he, is he a cynical politician or is he really the doe-eyed dum dum that he appears?
1: No, he is definitely uh, a <laughs> uh, like I, I, a mix. I don't know that he's. Yeah, no, the answer is yes. <laughs> I don't. The answer is yes, but I think what you asked is he a cynical politician or is he as doe eyed as he appears? I think it's a mix of both. I think that the doe eyedness is potentially part of his cynicism, and he projects that because he knows that it helps his socialist, you know, Canada voters. It helps him, not the whole of the country of Canada. By the way, there's lots of really great Canadian conservatives, and I know that they watch religiously and all these podcasts over here at the Daily Wire. So, you know, I really like y'all's maple syrup. Uh, That's true. That's skin, the greatest. Living stand-up
0: comedian Norm MacDonald is you, very Canadian.
1: There you go. There's lots of amazing comics, but like please keep Trudeau. Don't let that seep into the United States. As Ben likes to call him, the better looking Bernie Sanders. Y'all can keep him. I hope you vote him out because you deserve better.
0: (laughs) Absolutely right. I just, I I only want him to exist from afar. Magazine covers, waving the flags and the little shorts. That's fine. (laughs) It's when he opens his mouth is the trouble.
1: Exactly. We want to be able to point and laugh. We don't want to have to take responsibility for him.
0: Absolutely right. Okay, well, that's it. I guess if I want to have any political success, I got to start working out and become a big hunk like him if if we're going to fight this.
1: Oh man, Uh, a little behind the scenes. Just wait for it, people. Yeah. This man has thinner legs than I do, oh, yes. and I want to stab out his eyes Th- for it. That
0: is true. We've got the conversation and coming up next week. unfortunately,
1: you will see soon for yourself.
0: You're gonna, you're in that's for a treat. That's all I we, can say. We did the early shoot a couple days ago, and it's a feast for the eyes. You're gonna, we're gonna have some of the audience just spooning out their minds, eye like blinding themselves. Okay, that's the show. Alaysia, thank you for being here. Thanks. Very illuminating. That's it. That is all of it. I hope, I hope that you can now spread a little bit of knowledge to these uh, historically ignorant lefties who tell you it's unprecedented. And make sure you collect those leftist tears. Maybe send me a nice vintage. You know I collect them too. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Tune in tomorrow. We'll do it all again. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Marshall Benson, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Overa. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.